0: I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am the managing editor of Dread Central. I am also a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Usually on this podcast, we tackle topics of films that have been trapped in the development health cycle, but for the next four episodes, we're going to be doing something a little bit differently. Stay tuned and find out more about Cheapers Creepers Unseen in just a moment. Jeepers Creepers is an iconic horror franchise spawning 20 years, four films, and a passionate fan base. But this community has become increasingly divided as public awareness surrounding its creators' disturbing crime continues to rise. This new true crime podcast, Jeepers Creepers Unseen, aims to unearth this controversial franchise by reviving its past, contextualizing the harm perpetrated by its creator and by also taking an honest look at why this property is important to so many horror fans. With a fourth movie now out from new filmmakers, Jeepers Creepers Unseen aims to ask if this well-loved film series can reckon with history and thrive, or is now the time to move on? We're looking for these answers and more on the all-new four-part limited audio series, Jeepers Creepers Unseen. Episode one, Origins. I haven't seen a car in 50 miles. You know what I just thought of, right? Kenny and Darla. You believe that story? That they did to go looking for her head? They only found the car. They never found her head. What's he doing? the hell is that? You dumped something down that pipe. Wrapped in a sheet. Is this your idea of a little adventure? I'm just gonna look. Hello? You know the part in scary movies where somebody does something really stupid and everybody hates them for it? This is it. Every 23rd spring, for 23 days, he gets to eat. Eat. Is that thing? Go, 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 go. It's stuck in reverse! You must have five, maybe 600 bodies down there. You've got something it likes, one of you. Jeepers Creepers was released on August 31st, 2001, and was made for a budget of about $10 million. It was a horror film, written and directed by filmmaker Victor Salva. Jeepers Creepers starred Gina Phillips, Justin Long, and Jonathan Breck as the titular creeper. The film concerns a brother and sister driving through a remote middle of nowhere countryside for spring break. They're on their way home and they're going to be visiting their parents for some much needed R&R. Along the way, unfortunately, they happen to encounter a flesh eating creature and this guy was in the midst of his ritualistic eating frenzy. The film was distributed by United Artists, MGM, and was funded by American Zoetrope. Zoetrope is a production company founded by a couple of very familiar names, George Lucas, and Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola being the director of such films as The Godfather and Bram Stalker's Dracula. Coppola himself acted as an executive producer on Jeepers Creepers. As I was mentioning, the plot for the film concerns siblings Trish and Derry as they travel home from college for spring break. Together alone on an isolated patch of rural Florida road, suddenly they find themselves tailgated very aggressively by a mysterious rusted brown truck. Later on their journey, however, they notice the same old truck is parked right next to this abandoned scary church. They see a a faceless figure funneling what looks like corpses or wrapped up dead bodies down a large pipeline. The driver of the previously mentioned truck notices them and does his best to run these two off the road. However, Derry and Trish do investigate what they saw and what they see is disturbing. They hear noises coming from the bottom of the pipe. At this point, Derry decides that he needs to see if everybody is okay, and together the siblings hold Derry by his feet as he crawls his way down the slanted pipeline, where he hears muffled screamings at the bottom. Eventually, uh, his sister accidentally drops him because he freaks out seeing rats, and he falls all the way down to the bottom of the pipe, where he finds the body that was being funneled through, completely wrapped in plastic and rope. It's Still alive, and Derry takes away plastic and and lets the victim speak. Although he's about to finally perish, we see that his body has been stitched up together after something, an organ, something from inside him has been removed. What Derry then finds is a horrifying lined cave countless dead bodies that have been stitched together after being torn apart. What's stranger is that these bodies have been preserved somehow, and he notices that two of them were actually a young couple that went missing on prom night years earlier. When Derry eventually gets out of the cave of horrors, him and his sister Trish do their best to get out of the situation as fast as possible and find their way to a secluded diner. At the diner, They try calling for help, but the local police don't take them seriously. And what makes matters worse is people dining alert them that someone is outside rifling through their car. And whoever he is, he's sniffing the laundry left by Justin Long. We learned that whatever this thing is, be it demon or monster, every 23 years, it emerges from the ground. And it has 23 days to feed. And when he gets your scent, he decides right there and then, If you're going to be his next meal, and if you are, what part of you he's going to devour? So unfortunately, Derry finds that he now has his scent, and he's going to do whatever it takes to get him. Over the course of the film, these siblings try to protect themselves from this terrifying creature, and things don't necessarily go very well for them. The film would spawn three more sequels. In 2003, we saw the release of Jeepers Creepers 2. This was a theatrical run. And then in twenty seventeen, Jeepers Creepers 3 was released directly to VOD, Blu-ray, and DVD. And just this year, we saw the release of Jeepers, Creepers, Reborn. The first three films in this franchise are part of the same narrative, while the fourth one branches off into its own canon. The director and creator of the original three films is Victor Salva. He is an American filmmaker who is mainly known through his filmography for creating horror films, but has also directed a number of non-genre releases as well. His most famous films are the Jeepers Creepers series, but he's also directed a Disney-funded film, Powder, in 1995 that was successful, as well as his original film, Clown House, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival on June 1st, 1989. However, in 1988, Salva was convicted, arrested, and charged with abusing a child actor who appeared in Clown House. Victor Salva was born in California, and while it definitely does not permit any of his disturbing behavior, it is known that he had a difficult upbringing. He didn't have a father. His father left his home when he was very young, and unfortunately, this man was replaced with a very abusive and alcoholic stepfather. What made matters worse, at age 18, Salva came out as gay, and both his stepfather and his mother, from there on out, refused to speak to him, completely disowned him, kicked him out. Per Patrick Goldstein in the LA Times. When Salva was a boy growing up in Martinez, California, he and his younger brother would play in their room with Toy monster models of Frankenstein, the mummy, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. It was a coping mechanism for dealing with a turbulent childhood. Home is supposed to be the safest place in your life. So when you live in a scary environment like we did, the fear made those monsters feel like your friends and protectors, he says. They were always on your side. Salva's mother was 18 when he was born. His father deserted the family soon thereafter. He was replaced by a stepfather who, as Salva puts it, rescued us from utter poverty although there was a huge price to pay. The stepdad came from an abusive family and was unable to break out of the cycle. He'd be drinking since he was 14, so it was very volatile. P- liquor put him in touch with his anger. Salva recalls, "He was physical with us. He'd hit me or sometimes slam me or throw me across the room. It was like living with a landmine. You never knew when it was going to go off." Salva's escape was movies. I was thrown out of the house at 18. They'd told me to stop being gay or get out. I've always had a really difficult time with my weight and my sexuality. In Powder, the film that he made with Disney in 1995, his hero is an albino who was disowned from his family and harassed by school students and harassed by school bullies. The role of an albino outcast being a pretty clear metaphor for a tormented gay kid. Salva's career in filmmaking began to take off in the 1980s. Salva originated his film career with a short film. And this short garnered a lot of attention. It was titled Something in the Basement, and it received multiple awards and would actually get the positive attention one of the most successful and influential filmmakers in Hollywood, Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola went on to produce his first film, Clown House, and a number of other films throughout his career as well, including the Jeepers Creepers film. As Patrick Goldstein reports, throughout Salva's tribulations, Coppola has remained his loyal patron. After Salva's release from prison, Coppola gave him $5,000, which he lived on for a year. When MGM was nervous about hiring Salva to direct Jupiter's Creepers, Coppola, then producing a slate of films at the studio, vouched for him. In 1988, Victor Salva was convicted of sexual abuse of a minor who also happened to be the lead star in his film Clown House. Clowns, Randy, they're here. The darkest of dark, though the flesh is young and the hearts are strong, precious life cannot be long. The circus can be the main event for many a young boy, but for Casey, all this clowning around is about to come to an end. Clown House. Now available on Video Cassette. The actor's name was Nathan Forrest Winters, and he was only 12 years old at the time of Clownhouse. And what came to light is that the abuse took place during the filming of this production, and Salva himself filmed at least one of the encounters. When the police searched Salva's home, they found other things. They found commercial tapes, um, magazines, both of child pornography. This ended up with Salva facing a three-year term and he only ended up serving 15 months in prison when he was eventually released on parole. In light of all of this, Clownhouse was not completed. When Salva was arrested, Nathan Forrest Winters was not finished his job and was not out of contract for the film just yet. Winters was required to complete dubbing for the film at the house of Francis Ford Coppola. And according to Winters' own account, Coppola was terrible to him, spoke down to him, tried to threaten him, uh, told him that he would never work in the industry again. This is something which turned out to be true. And eventually, Francis Ford Coppola actually did attempt to sue the young victim for breach of contract. In a 2019 video interview with the Millennial Report, Winters describes the cast and crew of Clownhouse noticing strange behavior on set. Like Salva having Winter sit on his lap in the director's chair when he wasn't in a scene. As Patrick Goldstein wrote in his 2006 LA Times piece, Victor Salva's horror stories, Throughout Salva's tribulations, Coppola has remained his loyal patron. After Salva's release from prison, Coppola gave him $5,000, which he lived on for a year. When MGM was nervous about hiring Salva to direct Jeepers Creepers, Coppola, then directing a slate at the studio, vouched for him. As we were mentioning earlier, Francis Ford Coppola was on hand for the filming of Clown House at least some days. And we know for a fact that at least part of it, in post-production at least, took place at Coppola's home in Napa Valley. In a particularly disturbing quote from Francis Ford Coppola, he said, I didn't know of anything improper going on, although I witnessed some things that caused me to raise an eyebrow. Only in retrospect did things really add up. You have to remember, while this was a tragedy, that the difference in age between Victor and the boy was very small. Victor was practically a child himself. Now, this is undisputably... (sighs) Just not true information, because we know for a fact that Salva was 29 at the time, and Winters was only 12. According to Amy Zimmerman in her report from the Daily Beast in 2017, during filming, the 6th grader's mother Rebecca Winters began to suspect that her son was being terrorized both on and off the set. Victor said I couldn't go to the set, she told the Los Angeles Times. He said Nathan wouldn't work if I was there. I just had these feelings. I confronted Nathan, and he admitted it to me. He said, I have a secret, and I can't tell anyone. Police raided the director and formal child care workers' home, where they found child pornography, including a homemade pornographic tape that showed Salva engaging in oral sex with his pre-adolescent star. He spent the better part of the year grooming me and my parents, Nathan Winters recalled, in an interview Developing the trust, it was very calculated and a long process, as it is with most pedophiles. In April 1988, Salva pleaded guilty to five felony counts, lewd and lavicious conduct, oral copulation with a person under 14, and three counts of procuring a child for pornography. He was sentenced to three years in prison and was released in 1989 after serving only 15 months. The Winter family sued Coppola's commercial pictures for $5 million. Rebecca Winters said that eventually they settled out of court for barely over $100,000. As Kate Arthur reported in BuzzFeed News in 2017, in 1988, Salva pleaded guilty to loot and lavicious conduct with a child under 14, having oral sex with a child under 14, and procuring child for pornography. Salva filmed sexual acts with Winters. He was sentenced to three years in prison, serving 15 months, most of which took place at Soledad State Prison. Salva declined to be interviewed for this story. Unlike with many cases concerning a sexual predator, on some level, Salva did pay some time in prison, decades before Cheaper's Creepers was released. We all know that abusers and pedophiles have the chance to thrive in Hollywood. But since Me Too, we've been having a lot more public conversations about it and what kind of art we want to support monetarily. What kind of people deserve to be making art? Unlike with many cases concerning a predator, Salva did serve some time in prison, all years, maybe even decades, before the release of Jeepers Creepers. But we live in a world where people are not always required to pay for their crimes. And there has been a lot of conversations about art being separated from artists, and what are the type of artists in Hollywood in particularly that fans are willing to support financially? What are the movies and who are the people that we are willing to give our hard-earned money to support? And if those people happen to commit heinous sexual crimes, then I think it's very fair for fans to say that they do not wish to support an individual like this financially or otherwise. And now in the days of the early internet back in 2001, I would believe that not that many fans seeing Creepers Creepers in theaters knew about Salva, about his crimes, about Winters. And by the time that the sequel was released in 2003, I'm sure that there had been more and more news about him. But the internet was really early and it was harder to spread information the way that we do today which is why when the third film was finally in production in 2016 with a release in 2017 things changed, and salva started to pay for his actions at least when it came to his art according to kate arthur who reported for BuzzFeed News in 2017. This month has seen an explosion of allegations of sexual harassment and assault within the entertainment industry. The New York Times and New Yorker published investigative stories about Harvey Weinstein that have now resulted in nearly 60 women coming forward to accuse him of harassment and assault. Weinstein has denied all allegations of sexual assault. The tsunami of denunciations has extended outward. Roy Price of Amazon Studios was forced to resign after a sexual harassment charge became public. A Los Angeles Times investigation into writer-director James Toback has now yielded more than 200 accusers. A new accuser, Roman Polanski, alleged this month that the director assaulted her when she was 10. Tyler Grasham, an agent at APA was fired after a potential client 10 years earlier alleged on Facebook that Gresham had given him alcohol when he was underage and assaulted him. And Bob Weinstein was accused of sexual harassment by the showrunner of The Mist, a Weinstein Company production. When Salva's powder came out, the revelations about him having sexually assaulted a minor caused a similar flare up. And that happened again when the first and second Troopers Creepers were released, a rarity in the 90s and early 2000s. The week Powder was released, Winters, then 20, and Five Friends picketed a pre-release screening of the Disney film. They held signs that said, support the victim, not the victimizer. And Victor Salva, writer, director, child molester. And distributed leaflets that said, please don't spend your money on this movie. The protests drew national attention to Salva's crimes and imprisonment and hand-wringling follow, especially because of the involvement of Disney, which is often viewed as a national trust rather than a for-profit company. Despite the negative press though, Powder performed well enough at the box office to bring Salva more work, which is a cycle that's been repeated throughout his career. From 1988 to 2017, Salva was faced with criticism and backlash, but it wasn't enough. But things did change significantly in the post-MeToo landscape of Hollywood. And since then, Salva hasn't really worked, not like he did previously. And while many fans love the Droopers Creepers films, or even his other works, without understanding that its creator had committed a heinous crime, there are others in the horror community and the cinema community who are aware of Salva's actions, but are still fans of his work and still consume and appreciate franchises like Jeepers Creepers. So how does the horror community feel about these movies at large? Well, since 2001, there's been a lot more public awareness about his actions and, well, this has risen substantially over the last 5 to 10 years as more journalism just has become available to fans. And we've begun to have a more cultural understanding of sexual abuse as a whole. But there is another faction. Well, they see these movies as precious and they see South as a genius, and they believe that he served his time by completing a mere 15 months in jail. This brings up a couple of questions. Can we separate art from artists, or should we? Can an artist be redeemed after committing such a horrible offense? Is a beloved franchise more important than the disturbing context surrounding the behaviors of its creator? I believe that the horror community is divided. This is a surprising, polarized reaction to what is an extremely serious crime. Why do people fervently hold on to this franchise? I have my theories. And over the course of these four episodes, we're going to take a deeper look into all of this. I want to take a look at how fandom can propel these monsters towards success. I want to talk about the idea of people who commit terrible crimes moving on, growing, and being allowed to work. Is this something that we should permit? And as I was saying, maybe there's a lot of horror fans who just know about any of this and maybe there's a lot of indifference because it's easy to feel indifferent towards something you don't have the details about but i want you to know there's also a surprising amount of support for salva on an almost partisan level over the next episodes we're going to talk about the following we're going to talk about the fourth jeepers creepers film which was intended to be the start of a new trilogy without salva's involvement the first film which just hit theaters a couple of them was not popular among the community. Some publications, and even some fans, are covering and cheering for this new release, or possible new releases as normal, while there are others that would rather keep this franchise buried due to the crimes of its creator. And the themes explored in the movies sometimes, well, they're just a little too close for comfort once you know of Salva's abusive nature. We're gonna ask a classic question of separating art from the artist, and whether this art is worth the kind of restoration that, that would require as horror fans we love a franchise and we love to resurrect but when do we say enough is enough we're going to try to answer these questions and more over the course of this miniseries jeepers creepers unseen stick with us next week we're going to be covering the jeepers creepers franchise and take a deeper look at each of the installments and how they relate to victor salva and his crimes Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.